The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us this evening to sit and study the Dharma and our Sangha. It's um, in relationship. It's just such a gift to be able to do that. Um, I'm in South Florida, so in a place different, I think, than than most of you are. Uh, and it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, we have these slightly longer days now. I'm sure you're enjoying the extra bit of light there as well. And um, it's very calm. Um, you may occasionally hear a boat go by. I'll say the smaller the boat, the louder the music, but that's the conversation for another talk. Um, so, or a train in the distance or that sort of thing. That's just, just part of living in my neighborhood. Um, it's very calm, as I said, but it's been, it's been very, very windy uh, the last few days. And I'll, I'll come back to that uh, in a bit. Um, but this time of year, like a lot of people, at least in my life, I'm sort of increasingly putting my focus on exercise. And it's been really nice to be able to get outside and do that a bit. So focusing on my health in general, but exercise in specific. Um, the weight on my scale has been creeping up a bit and uh, my clothes are a little bit tighter than I like. Uh, fortunately, my, my health is still good and, uh, and my rock suit still fits. Um, always grateful for my, my Zen clothing that gives me a little extra wiggle room as it is. Um, um, but all my health still seems pretty good. Um, um, these are the signs that although I feel really fine today, um, I could be impacting how I'll feel in my future self uh, if I don't take care of myself better. Um, and that's what makes me, for example, spend more time with the gym. So instead of saying, you know, cooking, which I really enjoy, or staying in bed in this cooler weather just a little bit longer to read something I find really interesting in the mornings or have that second cup of coffee out on the porch, um, or even just going for a walk every day, which is healthy in and of itself, but really pushing myself a bit. So supplanting some of those walks with, you know, pushing myself till I'm out of breath at the gym. So getting some extra cardio health, um, doing some things that I know are going to leave me with sore muscles because that's going to help me grow more muscle. And then sometimes that also leaves me with sort of less energy during the day than I'd like because I've expended myself. Um, but then, you know, it always feels feels better after I've done it. And, and so those are the, the days when I don't want to get out of bed that I have to ask myself, why am I doing this? And, and the answer to that is purpose, right? I have, a, I have a purpose that I've set out for myself and I have a belief that doing these things is for the good, right? That I'll, I will be better off in some way for having done these things that maybe don't feel so good right in the moment. So one of my motivating purposes is what I would call living a long and healthy life. Um, I'm going for 108, which I think is such a good number for a Buddhist. Uh, and I have two ants in their 90s, so I have data that supports that my belief is possible. Um, and data from the world around me that doing these certain things like having a healthy heart and healthy nutrition that can support me in being a healthy, long-lived human being. I also really enjoy the gym once I get there and I get out of my head and I get into the actual being there and the doing of the things. It feels good to lift a weight and to feel strong. 
Um, so this purpose begets my intention. Uh, and when I go to bed at night, when I wake up in the morning, I have a specific intention for what I'm doing um, that day to move myself towards this purpose, my long, healthy me. Um, but not every day and not all the time, because I, I occasionally forget my purpose, um, uh, my intention. And it's why we lose sight of like our New Year's resolutions. Something like, I don't know, 85% of all the New Year's resolutions are like, poof, gone by this time of year. And uh, we're only like four or five weeks in. So uh, I think that doesn't mean we shouldn't set them, but we need to sort of, you know, check back in with ourselves around this time of year and see how we're doing. Um, so I'm having these small wins in case I have a little new muscle growth and my heart rate on the treadmill is good. That just gives me feedback that I'm doing the right things. And then I have to think about, well, the other parts of my life. And I remember Roshi Inkyo telling me once uh, during a period in which I wasn't studying very much, she said with what I took as a sigh, well, I guess what really matters is most is just what you're doing, right? And um, kind of a fake it till you make it, except of course in Zen, we realize we've already made it. There is no actual faking it to be had. Um, but, you know, it's the, it's the what you're doing, and I would add the why you're doing it. The what we're doing really grounds us and brings us back to our purpose. So sitting on our cushions, you know, gathering like we are this evening, um, doing Zazen or being Zazen, right, that brings us back to our purpose. Because even though it's really subtle, Zazen changes us. It's like lifting a weight or pushing my heart with cardio. It's just that with Zazen, it isn't always quite as obvious, but it does change us. So after this conversation with Roshi, I came back into intentional practice and I increased my focus because purpose and intention. As a Zen, Zen student, I have to keep asking myself, how do I keep my behaviors aligned with my intention? And for me, it's paying attention to what happens when they are aligned. Because I think about intention, really, it's an offering, right? That intention is an offering of what I'm going to do with my focus of my life. Um, and sometimes that comes out in the ways of listening to someone when they're talking to me, rather than thinking about what my answer is going to be to what they're saying. Um, it comes out as empathy rather than trying to solve their problem, just being empathetic with what's going on for them in the moment. Um, you know, when I listen, when I, when I empathize, for example, you know, I, I have to ask myself, when am I best able to do these things, right? To sort of be of service to the people around me. And, and I know the answer is best able to do this is when I sit Sazen. It's when I ground myself in our practice. It shows up later in every aspect of my life. So not all the time, not in all ways, but in every aspect. It's kind of like I have a, I have a palm tree outside my kitchen window. And when we first, I know I never had palm trees in my life. It's still a little strange, but I have them now. And uh, when we first purchased this place, when I looked out my kitchen window, I looked at palm fronds. So that was the view and then sort of off in the distance, some other houses and all the water. And, but now when I look outside my kitchen window, I look at the trunk of a palm tree. 
and I realized this a couple of months ago. I was like, when did that happen? That the palm fronds went away and the palm trunk appeared because, of course, I don't see the tree growing every day. It just keeps growing and I'm not out there measuring it. Um, but one day you look out and the palm fronds are gone. So then I had to ask myself, so when did Zazen actually impact my life? I think it's a lot like the, the palm tree. It impacted me before I knew that it impacted me, right? I went from sitting on a cushion and really wanting to get up and really wanting to be there because my intention would bring me back, but then sort of not being comfortable or being achy. And, and that, those things still happen sometimes, but I could see the difference that it made in my life. Um, so when does Zazen impact our lives? It impacts us right now. It impacts us every time we get on the cushion and it impacts us every time we get off. And in our Zen lives, I think about this story. And um, this came from the very beginning of Roshi Linkyo's book, Most Intimate. And for those of you who haven't read it, I, of course, can highly recommend. Um, so the story at the beginning of this book, it starts with the 42nd ancestor, Leng Wang Yong, who in Japanese, it's easier for me to pronounce, is Ryozan Inken. He was the attendant to the 41st ancestor in Japanese, Doan Kanshi, and he carried his robe for him. And there was a moment in which the teacher needed to put on his robe. So he handed the robe to him. And Doan Kanshi said to his disciple, what is the business under the patched robe? And his student didn't have an answer. And the teacher said, you know, to wear this robe and not understand the great matter, that is the greatest suffering, you ask me. So the student asked the teacher, what is the business under the patched robe? And the teacher said, intimacy, intimacy. And that was the moment when the 42nd ancestor broke through. He bowed to his teacher in great gratitude and his tears flowed. And the teacher asked, what have you understood? Can you express it? And he said, what is the matter under this robe? Intimacy. And his teacher said, intimacy and even greater intimacy. I just found that to be such a beautiful story uh, because I, I know for, for many years, I, I personally suffered trying to understand, right? Why didn't I understand? Uh, sort of. In a, in a muddle about that, but, but with hope and belief that I, that I would. Um, but I think just the, the, the word intimacy, right? This is our purpose. This is our intention. This is what keeps us coming back to our cushions when we'd rather be doing something rather than being intimate on our cushions, when I'd rather be doing something at this desk rather than being intimate in the moment with what is going on in my life. And those moments of intimacy, I think for most of us are, are interspersed with significant periods of distraction or just sometimes feeling a bit muddled. Um, but those moments of intimacy are impactful enough to keep me coming back to the cushion. I started with belief and hope, really hope. Uh, and then I found my purpose. 
And Roshi helped me see that because she helped me see that my work is service. And I would ask you just to consider that for yourself. What is your, what is your service? And I hope there's some grounding of that in your work because we, we spend so much of our lives, at least in this culture, working. And my work is the business under the patched robe, right? How do I do that in a way that is intimate? Right, my how do I have a sort of a Zen honed ability to be attentive? Uh, in in my life, that that shows up as as often being able to see multiple perspectives where I'm confronted with a, a problem to understand that there's almost always more than one truth, which I certainly did not understand earlier in my life. There was one way, and it was often just mine, um, and. And to know that for the modern enterprise, maybe, you know, maybe there's one truth underneath everything, but uh, just making space for more than one truth uh, is directionally correct. And once I could see that, I approached my work differently. The attitude of how can I be of service rather than how can someone be of service to me? And those, you know, that ladder led to things like, how do I get more clients? How do I hold on to them? Uh, should I just do what they want me to do instead of sort of expressing my expertise so I can hold on to them? Uh, taking or, or keeping a client uh, when we're not a good fit uh, for profit, uh, when they're sort of just checking a box with me and not doing the work, is that is that really in alignment with my purpose and my intention? Um, it's not. And, and so I'm able now with my, you know, from, I, I, I know this is from my Zen practice and from Zazen uh, to, to be of more service because I'm more true to my purpose. And uh, one of the things I started doing about two years ago was I, I interview people on a LinkedIn live series. These are not words I thought I would ever be saying in a Dharma talk but uh, on a LinkedIn live series. So I interviewed these C-suite execs, which I'm, I'm great, grateful to be able to do. And at first I was really nervous about this, but mostly now it's just about showing up and letting go of all the little or sometimes loud voices in my head uh, telling me that this or that person is so important or powerful or whatever. And um, when I let go of all of that, when I just breathe, to ground myself, remind myself, this is in the service of improving leadership, when I get out of my own way, um, I'm just present. And when that happens, we have conversation, we have dialogue, something clicks and things flow and insights come out. And then the service is performed. And it is immensely satisfying. It is grounding and humbling and empowering all at the same time to recognize being of service and to be of service. There's a oneness that's hard to describe and yet really wonderful to feel, sort of whole mind and, and body. It's the it's a being present, it's being intimate. And um, sometimes people ask me why I work. And I try not to take umbrage at that because I can really easily make that into an ageist question. Um, but I have the answer. I work because I enjoy it. I literally get when I give. I think we all do. Um, and if I couldn't be of service in some way, I. I think I'd look really hard to find something else to do where I could. 
And uh, for right now, this is my choice. I've I found a way that I can I can be of service. Um, and once I could see that, as I said, I can I could approach my work differently, but I could also approach my life differently. Um, I've been fortunate enough in my life to go to to Bali three times, and I don't know if anyone here has ever been to Bali, but you know, sort of this magical, mystical place. Uh, so let me say three times so far I've been. And on one trip, um, Ziryu and I, uh, my husband, stayed with a family in a village for a couple of weeks. So the first time it was a fancy resort, but then we went back and we were with this family and they were, they were so generous. And we got to experience for a brief period sort of how congruent they are with their lives as they are, right? So this is not... It's not fancy. This is not luxurious. Um, I'm not even remembering that there was hot water. Uh, it was it was just living with sort of a, a normal Balinese family. So there are little altars everywhere, right? There are altars. There's a family altar. There's an ancestor altar. There are altars in the street. There are temples everywhere. Uh, they give offerings all the time that are wrapped up in palm leaves. You see them all over the ground. So they're giving to the spirits on the ground and they're just making offerings to all these various spirits every day. It's just, it's just, it's very different, of course, from the vibe that I feel here. Um, even though, you know, they're human beings, they get angry sometimes. Their lives are not like, you know, all in flow, uh, but they're very rooted in their purpose, um, not looking for it, just living it. Um, they seem more congruent to me. Anyway, on one trip, I was able to purchase a small painting that was painted in the traditional Balinese style, which I wanted to show to you, but it's not going to it's not going to show up. So let me just say it's very detailed. It's about this big, and um, right, uh, it shows all these aspects of daily life. Right, there are animals. There, there's a uh, some boar-like creatures. There's some birds. Chicken-like creatures. There's what I took to be a frog. Uh, there are lots of different shrines, and there are people painting, and people cooking, and people washing other people, and people carrying offerings on their heads, and um, just just daily life, right? And right in the center of this 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 very detailed painting is a shrine. There's a temple with offerings. And um, this whole thing is just about people in community, in relationship, right? Living with their purpose, their purpose of being intimate in their daily lives, um, paying attention to whatever is going on in front of them. And so what is our purpose and, and how are we intimate? Uh, my friend Aisha Bursal, uh, who some of you may know, she's a She's an amazing industrial designer and now works with people on designing their lives. Um, she recently wrote, the work we love is at the service of others. And because it is at the service of others, we love it. And I say that again, I found it to be so profound. The work we love is at the service of others. And because it is at the service of others, we love it. And she thinks of this as a transfer of love a transfer of love. I just I just got tears again. I got tears when I read it because I think it's so beautiful. Um, so this transfer of love is about being of service, uh, to bring ourselves back to service after we distract ourselves. We're humans, it's what we do. 
But understanding and knowing our interconnectedness brings us home to our impulse towards service. Um, and I, I have to bring myself back. I, I mentioned earlier, we had a lot of wind this winter and yesterday morning, uh, I was having my first cup of coffee before I went to the gym. I looked out and um, there was wind sort of going across the water and the flags were waving and the trees were moving. And, and I, I thought, you know, that wind is going to be here a long time after I'm gone. And, and then I thought, really? Is that wind energy fundamentally different than my energy? No. Right? Just as the wind energy changes everything as a result of causes and conditions in the moment, so does mine. And that's what makes my purpose so important. It's what makes your purpose so important. Causes and conditions, the place that you're in, and what we're able to do with our purpose. So be still. Listen for your purpose and pay attention to your actions. And I'll close with a verse from the Zen Grove. Um, it was captioned, precious instruction on the attitude to take towards shugyo practice. Precious instruction on the attitude to take towards your practice. And I'll read it twice. With purpose all-encompassing, actions will also be thorough. With achievement going deep, enlightenment will also be profound. With purpose all-encompassing, actions will also be thorough. With achievement going deep, enlightenment will also be profound. Thank you.